If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're in part two of a series called Your Questions, Biblical Answers. And it's based upon the 184 questions that our church family turned in back in January. So back in January, we gave everybody an opportunity to ask any question that that they had about God, faith, Christianity, the Bible. And again, we got a lot of questions turned in. So what we did was we took those questions, we put them into categories. There were a lot of questions that were similar. And we came up with the top five questions questions that our church family is asking, and and that's what we're trying to answer in this series. So last week, we started by answering this, or at least attempting to answer this. If God is so loving, then why in the world does he let bad things happen? Why does he let bad things happen to good people? Why does he let bad things happen to innocent people? Why does he let bad things happen, period, if God is so loving? Now, if you missed that message, I encourage you to go to our website, theepicchurch.com, go to our iTunes account. You can listen to it in either of those formats. And I strongly encourage you to do that if you missed that message. It's a great resource for maybe you when you're going through a difficult moment or somebody else that you know that they may be going through a difficult moment. It'd be a great resource to point them towards. Now, next week, we're going to answer the question, what happens after we die? So uh, you've got a couple of things that you know for certain in life. One is taxes, right? Benjamin Franklin said that, I think. And the other is death. Okay, so death is coming for all of us. You have an appointment with death. Don't know when that is, but it's coming at some point. But what happens after that? What happens after we die? Do we all go to heaven? Uh, Do some of us go to heaven, some of us go to hell? We fall into this deep sleep and we wait for this next thing to happen. What happens after we die? So we're going to answer that next week. The week after that, we're going to talk about how to grow our faith. So there were a number of you that were asking questions like, how do I really hear from God? How do I read my Bible? How do I apply this to my life? How do I grow the faith that I have, the faith that I want to have? So we'll look at that in in that week. And then the final week, we're going to answer this question, how do I share my faith? So a number of you were saying, I've got faith, but there are people around me that don't have that. And I want to be able to talk to them. I want to have Bible verses to use. I want to be able to have an intelligent conversation with other people about faith. So can you help me do that? So we're going to do that in that week. Now, today we're going to answer a question about faith and doubt. Because a number of you were asking questions about faith and questions about doubt. And you were saying, like, like I want to believe, but I have these doubts And I'm not so sure what to do with my doubts. So can you help me overcome some of these doubts? So today we're going to answer this question, okay? Question is this. Is it possible to have faith and doubt, or can I only have one or the other? Like, if I have faith, does that mean I can't have doubt? And if I have doubt, does that mean I'm not allowed to have faith? Is it one or the other? Is it possible to have both? Now, as we begin this morning, I have a confession to make, and I'm sad to say, but this confession could get me in a lot of trouble in a lot of churches in the United States. Everybody ready? My confession is this. Sometimes I doubt God. A little little frightening, isn't it? A little scary. Um, I'm sure you're like, big deal, big whoop. Like, me too. There's a lot of us that, that doubt God. You know, in, in church world, especially with pastors, like, that's not an okay thing to do. 
Like, you got to be careful when you talk about your doubts when it comes to faith in, in certain circles. Like, you got to be real careful because, you know, people could get upset or, or think that you really don't have faith, and, and, and that could have some, some bad implications for you. But for me, I grew up in a, a church context where I believed it wasn't okay to have doubts. Like, that wasn't okay. If I had doubts, that meant I probably didn't have the faith that I thought I had. So as I looked at my life, I looked back over my life and the doubts that I've had, I have doubted God's existence. I've doubted God's ability to answer my, my prayers. I've doubted God's willingness to answer my prayers. I've doubted God's ability to use me. I've doubted God's goodness. I've doubted God's promises in the Bible. I've even in this series doubted God's ability to use me to answer your questions. How fun is that? Like, God, you got to show up because if you don't, like, it's just me here. It's not going to be good. So I've had some, some big doubts in my relationship with God through the years. And again, I've grown up believing that it's not okay. Like, if you have doubt, that's not okay. And, and, and that wasn't like a message I heard. Like I didn't hear any pastor say that, but I just kind of grew up believing that. There was just this message, that underlying message that I felt like I carried throughout my life and I struggled in many seasons of my relationship with God thinking something's wrong with me. Like something's wrong with me. If I have doubts, I'm not supposed to have doubts. You know, my, my parents raised me around the church. My parents uh, have taught me the, the, the truth of God. I'm not supposed to have doubts, and so if I do, what does that mean about me? And maybe you're here today wondering the same thing. And what I want you to know is if you're in that spot, if, if you have doubts, if you're not so sure about your relationship with God or, or you're questioning things about the Bible or you're not so sure how all, the, all this fits together and, and you're wrestling with issues of faith and doubt, I want you to know that you are welcome at Epic. This is a safe place to have doubts. And here's the thing I think we're going to learn today. God is not bothered by our doubts. God's not up in heaven going, oh, oh my goodness. Like, I, I didn't know they had that doubt. I mean, that's horrible. That's terrible. God's not bothered by your doubt. He knows every single doubt that you've ever had or will ever have. God knows that. And God wants to help us with our doubts. And I think we'll see that this morning. So on our journey today, we're going to start in the book of Mark. So if you would, if you have a Bible, flip over to the book of Mark. If you have a smartphone with you and it's got a Bible app on it, so go ahead and use that. Here's what I recommend. However you use the Bible throughout the week, if you've got a paper Bible that you use, then bring that to church. If you use your phone throughout the week, bring that to church and feel free to use it here in this context. It's a great way to grow in your relationship with God and understanding what the Bible teaches by using it wherever it is taught. Now, if you like to use the, the paper version of the Bible, here's something that you might have said here at Epic. is like, I would like to use it, but I have a hard time using it here in the building because it's kind of dark. It's kind of hard to read. Uh, so if you've had some reading issues with that, we understand we've had a problem here at, uh, at this facility. Either our lights are all on or they're all off, and so it's kind of created a challenge for us. So we, we have tried to answer that, and here's how we've tried to do that. We've got some lights now in the back section that we're trying to use. You just look back there and see those, the nice, wonderful blue glow. It's kind of cool and nice. And here's where that provides the ability to read your Bible in the back section. So if you like to read a paper version of your Bible, I encourage you to sit in one of two areas. One, up front here, two, in the middle, in the back. Like those two spots, you should be able to read your Bible. Now, 
if you sit up front. The only problem is you're in the spit zone. Okay, so these poor folks up here are in the spit zone. Like, I could accidentally spit on you. Like, not on purpose. I'm not up here hawking a loogie or anything on purpose, but it really is possible. I could accidentally spit. My mouth gets a little dry. So bring a towel with you, and you'll be okay. All right, so enough of that nonsense. So Mark chapter 9. Let me tell you what's happening in Mark chapter 9. So in Mark chapter 9, it records an amazing interaction between Jesus and this doubting dad. He's actually a desperate dad. He's desperate for God to work in his life. Um, He's got this son that has an evil spirit in him. So he's possessed by a demon. Now for us, that's like Hollywood. That's poltergeist. That's like, ooh, that's that weird movie. Uh, In Jesus' day, that was a common thing. That was something that Jesus dealt with on a regular basis. So this dad's got this son his, his son has got this demon that controls his body, and it, it would grab him, it would throw him to the ground, it would cause him to grind his teeth, get rigid, it would try to throw him in the fire, try to throw him in water, try to kill him. Just imagine for a moment what that would be like if that was your child, how difficult, how desperate you would be. So we've got this dad who's desperate. He's desperate for Jesus to do something, to do anything. I mean, we don't know how old this boy is, but for pretty much all of his life, he's had this problem. And this dad and and his mom, I'm sure the rest of their family, they can never let this kid go anywhere alone because he might end up dead. And so they're desperate. This dad is super desperate. You may be in that spot today. You may be desperate for God to do something. Desperate for God to do something in your marriage or in your job or in your health or in some relationship that you have. Just desperate. That's where this dad was. And so he thought, you know, I'm going to bring my son to Jesus. Like, I've heard things about Jesus. I've heard that he, he heals people. I've heard that he casts out demons. Like, I, like maybe, maybe that could happen for, for my son. And so he brings his son to Jesus. But the only problem is Jesus isn't there. Jesus and three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, they're off on a trip, and you can read about that in the first part of of Mark, chapter 9. They're off on what is called the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, So fascinating event that happens there. So Jesus and and those close disciples, they're not actually right there, but there are these other disciples that Jesus has that are there. And so we'll start in verse 14, Mark 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, this is Jesus, Peter, James, and John, uh, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violent to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Let's pause there for just a moment. So this dad, you know, he brings his son. Jesus isn't there. He's hoping he would be there. He's not there in that moment. So he says, like, all I have left are the other disciples that that Jesus had. Hopefully they can help, but they couldn't. They couldn't help. So this dad has a decision to make in that moment. Like, do I keep waiting on Jesus or do I just walk away and say, apparently, like, this isn't going to work. 
Apparently, Jesus can't help me. If his disciples can't help me, apparently this just isn't going to work. And so he could have been tempted to leave, just like we can be. There are moments that we come to God thinking, God, like, this is it. I need your help. I need you to do something supernatural right here in this moment. Maybe you're here this morning saying, like, this is my one shot at church, or this is my last shot at church, and I need God to do something supernatural. And if something supernatural doesn't happen, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. I guess God isn't really a resource for me. So this dad had that option. He could have done that, but he didn't. He waited. He hung out. He waited on Jesus, and then Jesus came. And Jesus says, hey, bring your son to me. Then he asks the dad in verse 21, how long has this been happening? The boy's dad replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. So here we've got this dad He's not just a desperate dad. He's a doubting dad. Like, like, I'm not sure your disciples couldn't do this. I'm not sure if you can do this, Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. He says, what do you mean, if I can? Like, you know, for us, understanding who Jesus is, and I just love that. Like, what do you mean, if? Like, if I can do this. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So he's saying like, Jesus, like I have faith. I have, I have moments of strong faith. I have big doubts and I'm not sure how to reconcile these two. Like I don't know what to do with these two things. Like, there are moments I'm strong in my faith. Then there are moments I'm weak in my faith and I'm strong in my doubt. Like what do I do? I need help. Help me overcome my doubt. Maybe you're in that spot today. You're saying, I've got some faith, and I've got some doubt, and I don't know what to do with these two things. Well, watch what Jesus says to this desperate, doubting dad. In verse 25, he says this. He says, I would have healed your son, but you doubted. Jesus didn't say that. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say that? Like, whoo, I'm so glad Jesus didn't say that. So Jesus didn't say that. What Jesus did in that moment was he met that guy in the middle of his doubt. So I understand, you have faith and you have doubt. I get it. Let me meet you where your doubt is. And let me help you overcome your doubt. And then he healed his son. Can you imagine what that moment would have been like for that dad? His family? His friends? All the people watching? Like, this is a, a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And not only did that dad get a little help with his doubt, I'm sure everybody else is standing around going like, well, I'm not doubting anymore. Wow, that's amazing. I think Jesus wants to do the same thing for us. When we doubt, he wants us to bring our doubts to him like he told this dad, bring me your son. Like, like bring him, like he's the center of your faith and your doubt. So like bring him here. Let me help you overcome your doubt. Jesus wants to do that for you and for me. Now we're going to flip over to John chapter 20. Okay, so John chapter 20 records one of the, the most famous, probably the most famous doubting story in the Bible. So if you know the story of doubting Thomas, this is his story. Okay, so this happened after this event that we read about this desperate dad. 
So this is after that. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So let me kind of set the scene for you. So Jesus has died. He has risen. And we've got this tension for the, the disciples before they've seen him. So they're all super sad. I mean, their hopes are gone. Like they hoped that Jesus would show up and he would be their king. He would free them from the Romans, but he's dead. And so their, their dreams are dead and they're filled with hope they're, or hopelessness and they're filled with doubt and they're not so sure. Like, like how is this gonna ever turn out to be good? Like it can't. Our hopes were tied to Jesus and now he's gone. So Easter Sunday morning, the word on the street is Jesus is alive. Some people are saying, hey, they stole his body. Somebody has his body. Uh, the, the disciples, some of the disciples are saying, no, no, we've seen him. He's revealed himself to us. He is alive. But at this point, not everybody was there. Not all of his disciples were there to see Jesus. And Thomas was one of them. So listen to what it says in verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So when he revealed himself earlier, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my finger into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. That's where Thomas got the nickname Doubting Thomas. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I feel a little bit bad for Thomas. So he has this moment of doubt. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Doubting Thomas. I mean, I think maybe up in heaven, he's going like, come on, really? It was just a moment. It was one time, and I get stuck with that bad nickname. So I think for us, there's a good chance that I would have been in that spot. There's a good chance that many of us would have been in that spot. You know, I mean, think what he had gone through. He put all of his hopes and dreams in Jesus. And then he watched Jesus die on the cross. He watched this crucifixion. He helped with the burial I mean, like, was Jesus dead? No, he knew. He helped in that. He helped in the process of, of putting this dead, lifeless body in a tomb. And then there's people running around saying, he's alive? And, and I'm thinking, like, are you just, like, doped up on, on fantasy or, you know, like, where did you get this hallucination? Like, I'm not believing that just because you're running around wanting people to believe it, wanting it to be real. I need proof. I need proof. And that's where some of us are. Some of us need proof. Like we want to put our hands on Jesus. We want, to, we want to touch Jesus. That's where Thomas was in that moment. So listen to verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. So get the context. So like, let's try to be a disciple. Let's try to be in that spot, okay? So we're all gathered together. Some are super excited talking about Jesus is risen. And others are going, yeah, right, like whatever. And then all of a sudden, there's no knock at the door. Nobody has to go let anybody in. And then Jesus is there. He's just standing in our midst. And he says, peace be with you. And then he turns and looks at Thomas, and maybe it's you. Maybe you're the doubter. Maybe he turns and looks at you. So imagine what this would be like. Jesus turns and looked at Thomas, and he said, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Another translation says, stop doubting and believe. Jesus met Thomas 
in the middle of his doubt. He stepped into the doubt and said, Thomas, go ahead, like, touch me. Touch my hand, touch my side. Stop doubting. I want you to truly believe. And then Thomas says, my Lord and my God, like, it really is you. He stopped doubting in that moment. Like he was now one of the people saying, he's risen. I've seen him. I've touched him. I've experienced him. I've experienced the resurrected Jesus. And then Jesus says this that applies to all of us today. If you're a believer in Jesus, verse 29, he says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So if you're here today and you believe that Jesus died on the, on the cross and was buried and resurrected, you believe that Jesus died so you can live and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus 2,000 years ago said, you're blessed because of your belief. And, and you didn't have the privilege to see him. You didn't have the privilege to touch him. And often I think, you know what? Like, like I wouldn't doubt either if, if I were one of Jesus' disciples there in the moment seeing him. Like, I wouldn't doubt. I mean, if Jesus showed up like right here and we got to, to touch him, see his wounds and talk to him, like we wouldn't doubt, would we? I'm not so sure about that. I used to think I wouldn't, but I'm not so sure about that now. Listen to what happened in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 28. So we're fast forwarding this story, Jesus' story, the disciples' story. Uh, Jesus is about to leave planet Earth. He's met with many of his disciples. He's revealed himself to over 500 of his disciples. And he's about to give them the final instructions before he leaves. So he gathers his closest followers together. And then Jesus is about to have that NASA space shuttle moment. Like, he's going up to heaven, okay? And I'm sure there was, you know, smoke behind him. And it was really cool. So his disciples are gathered. They're listening to him. And he's giving the final instructions. These are, the instructions are the great commission or the great mission that God has given all of us as Christ followers. And then he has his blast off moment. Now, verse 17 in Matthew 28. For so long, I didn't see this verse in the Bible. Or I'm not sure if I, I didn't want to see the verse in the Bible. I'm not so sure. Um, but when I stumbled up across this verse a number of years ago, I didn't know what to do. I was a little stuck. I was a little perplexed. How is this possible? How could this happen? This makes no sense to me. So here's verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. So again, like follow the context of the story. So they've seen him die on the cross. They've buried him. They've seen him resurrected. They're like not doubting anymore in this moment. Like they're super excited. And then... They watch him ascending to heaven, and some of them doubted. There's an exclamation point behind that sentence. It's not just a period. Some of them were really struggling with doubt, and they're going like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not so sure. Like, like, last week, I was watching TV, and I saw David Blaine do this, like, you know, levitation thing. Like, like maybe that's what this is like. I'm looking for, the, like, the strings or the cables or the wires. Like, maybe this is a big magic trick. I'm not so sure, but I have my doubts. Like, what? They've seen the resurrected Jesus. How in the world is it possible that they have doubts in that moment? I'm not fully sure. But just because we think, you know, if I were there and got to see Jesus, does that mean that we wouldn't doubt either? No, that's not what that means. We might struggle with doubt as well, even in that kind of moment. 
Now, even though some of Jesus' disciples doubted in that moment, they didn't doubt for long. Um, they had a powerful encounter with Jesus and God had helped them to overcome their doubt. And they were used greatly by God to really transform the world. And listen to what these disciples did with that life transformation that happened for them. They had all kinds of doubt in their relationship with God. When, when Jesus invited them to follow him, they had doubts. As they walked in the relationship with him, they had doubts. When he died, they had doubts. When he was risen from the grave, they still had their doubts, but they didn't doubt much longer. God helped them to overcome those doubts and to go to their deathbed, not with doubt, but with faith. Most of the disciples died because of their faith. Now, you would think if you had doubts about something, if you had doubts about Jesus or doubts about God, doubts about the Bible, would you die for those things? Most likely we wouldn't. Most likely we would step back and go like, yeah, I'm not willing to die for that. I'm just saying I've got a little bit of faith. I've got a little bit of doubt. Like, I'm not sure how to manage all that stuff. I'm trying to like have enough of both. So just in case, like, I, you know, I, I need some to go to heaven or just in case that's all fake and not real. Like, I got a little bit of both. Like, nobody fooled me. You know, like, I've got a little bit of everything. Now, if if you had doubts, you wouldn't die for those doubts. But Jesus' disciples, they died for their faith. So listen to how church history describes how some of the disciples died. John was the only one of, of Jesus' disciples who died of natural causes, died a natural death. He was um, sentenced to the island of Patmos, and, and that's where he wrote the, the book of Revelation. Um, but uh, he died of natural causes. The other disciples didn't. Peter was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to die the way that his Savior died. Imagine that. Imagine a disciple being nailed to the cross and saying, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, like, upside down. Like, I can't die the way that Jesus died. So you gotta, you gotta turn me around. Imagine how horrible that would have been. James died by the sword, which means he was most likely beheaded. Matthew was killed in Ethiopia trying to share Christ there. Andrew was crucified in Greece. And then Thomas. You remember Thomas? Thomas was speared to death trying to establish the church in India. So Jesus' disciples, even though they had doubt in their, their life, they got to a spot where they said, God, like I'm giving you my doubt. I, I need your help to overcome my doubt. And then God used them to spread Christianity around the world. And we benefit today because of their faith. So the question for us is, will we be like the disciples? Will we bring our doubts to God? Or will we hold on to our doubts and let our doubts kind of keep God at a distance. So is it possible to have faith and doubt? I think the answer is yes. It is possible. But here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to bring our doubts to him. He wants to meet us in the middle of our doubts. And he wants to help us overcome those doubts. So like, I, I, my, my challenge to all of us is be a sin, sincere doubter. Sometimes we use doubt to keep people at a distance, to keep God at a distance, and we just throw obstacles up like, yeah, but what about this, and what about that, and what about that, I, mean, I got so many doubts, like what about, what about, what about, and we just use it as a wall. Don't do that. If you have doubts, if you have questions, ask. 
and, and come to God with those and say, God, like, I have this struggle. I don't know what to do with it. God says, bring it. Bring it to me. I'll meet you in the middle of that doubt, and I'll help you overcome. What's God's goal for all of us? To have faith and to have a stronger faith because of our doubt. So doubt can actually help us build a stronger faith than we could have without it. So God can even use our doubt to build our faith. Now, for those of you who may say, you know, like, I, I want to do that. Like, I'm just not sure how to do that. Here's some recommendations for how we can bring our doubts to God and let God meet us with them and help us to overcome those. First is to keep coming to church. And maybe this is your first time here. Or maybe, you know, you're sporadic or whatever. But I really encourage you to keep coming to church on a regular basis. This should be the place that we say, you know, I've got some doubts. I've got some questions. I'm not so sure. You'll be amazed at what you can learn in a relatively short amount of time if you just come to an environment where the Bible is taught. And some of you might say, like, hey, that's my problem. My problem is with the Bible. Like, I'm not so sure about it. Like, I read some of the Old Testament stories. I'm like, am I supposed to believe that? Like, do I have to believe that, that Satan spoke through a snake in order to have a relationship with God? Or, I mean, any number of doubts that you may have about the Bible. Well, here's what I encourage for those of you who struggle with doubts about the Bible. I've got a book recommendation for you. The Bible is one of them. It's a good one. You should read it. The next one is this. And the picture that's going to come up on the screen is a little different than this, this uh, cover on this book, but it's called The Case for Christ. It was written by a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. And Lee was an investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune, and he was an atheist. And his wife became a follower of Jesus. One day, she put her faith in Jesus, and he said, you know what, I'm going to disprove your faith. I'm going to dismantle your faith, and you're going to say, you know what, it's, it's worthless. So he spent two years putting his investigative skills to use to disprove Christianity. He got to the end of that journey and he said, you know what, it takes me more faith to doubt God than it does to believe God. And so he put his faith and trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior and he wrote this book. So this is his journey. And if you have questions about the authenticity of scripture and, and the relevance of Jesus and, and the authenticity of Jesus in his life, then this book has some amazing answers for you. So I strongly recommend this book. Now, if you have questions about like science and, and some people are saying like, what about science and what about the Bible? Like, you know, science says, you know, one thing, the Bible says another thing, you know, evolution says one thing, creation says another thing. Like, how do we merge these things? How do we put these together? Well, here's another book recommendation for you. This is his second book. Lee's second book called The Case for Faith. And in, in this book, he wrestles with some of those big questions about evolution, about, about creation, about how, how we can figure out these, these differences, these things that seem so polar opposite. He also answers questions like, hey, how in the world could a loving God allow bad things to happen? Why is there so much pain and evil and suffering in the world? Another great resource for those who are wrestling with questions like that. Whether you are or aren't, you probably know somebody who is. So this would be a great book for you to make yourself familiar with. Now, uh, if you're wondering like, hey, what are the names of those? I didn't get a chance to write them down. We have them on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. 
So this is a, a one-page document we make available each week. It's at our Connection Center. You can download it from our website as well. And on here, we've got the resources that, that I listed this morning. There are several other book resources. There's a movie recommendation. There's some website resources as well. I strongly encourage you to check these things out. And what I, what I encourage you to do as you do it is get one of these things and research and read and study and explore. Don't just hold on to your doubt and ask your questions to keep God at a distance. Ask your questions. God's not afraid of them and pursue the answer that God has for you. Now, if you're new to church, you're new to faith, I encourage you to do what Carla talked about in the announcements this morning. That's get into our starting point small group environment. That's a great place to hear the story of God and to find your place in that story and see how that uh, impacts all of us. So I encourage you to get into starting point. The info meeting is right after the service over here across from the ladies' restroom. If you've done starting point, I encourage you to get into next step Next step is a great environment to figure out what's next for me. I want to grow my faith, and how do I do that? So I encourage you to check that out as well. There are a lot of ways that we can get the real answers for the real questions that we have, but we've got to bring our doubts to God. We've got to let God meet us in the middle of our doubts. We've got to let God help us overcome those doubts to have the faith that God desires that we have. So what I encourage you to do here in just a minute, our worship team is going to come out and they're going to guide us through a closing song. And what I encourage you to do during this song is determine the one thing that you're going to do this week based upon what we've talked about, or maybe something else has come to your mind. What's the one thing that you're going to do? Do you need to get a, get a book, get a resource, go visit a website? Do you need to keep coming back to church? Do you need to get into starting point? You need to get into next step. What's the one thing that you're going to commit to do to bring your doubt to God and let God meet you there. So let's pray, and then our worship team will close us out. God, I'm so grateful to know that it really is possible for us to have faith and doubt. Um, Lord, as we read the Bible and we watch your disciples, many of them had faith and doubt. Many of your followers all throughout the Bible had a struggle with faith and doubt. And so, Lord, here we are, still wrestling with faith and doubt, and you're not bothered by that. You're not bothered by our, our doubts. The thing that bothers you is when, when we don't bring our doubts to you and let you help us overcome those doubts. So, Lord, in the group this size, there's people with all kinds of different doubts, and you know exactly what each doubt is, and you want to help each person overcome those doubts. So, Lord, I pray that we would bring our doubt to you and I pray that we would hear the honest answers that you have for us. We would have one of those life-changing encounters with you like, like the, the desperate doubting dad had and like Thomas had. I pray that we would have a life-changing encounter where our faith would grow strong and it would be stronger because of the doubts that we've had. So guide us in this journey, we pray. Give us the faith that we need in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Epic. Welcome. My name is Carla. I'm going to tell you a few things that are going on before we jump into our message today. If you're a new guest with us, we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for checking us out this morning. If you have any questions about who we are, why we're here, please feel free to stop by the Connection Center on your way out. We would love to meet you. 
If you are looking to get involved in a small group environment, we have two of our small group environments starting shortly. So starting point and next step. If you're new to Epic, starting point is a great conversational environment that walks you through the story of God and you begin to experience the community together over 10 weeks. If you've been through starting point, the next step is next step. Um, you can jump into that while you wait for a long-term community group. So if you're interested in joining either of those small group environments, we're having an informational meeting after service today around this corner in the teacher's lounge. You'll see a lighted sign, so check that out. Today at 5.30, we are meeting at Wadsworth Park for Epic Day at the Park. And I love this time. It's so much fun. It's a great time just to hang out with different folks from Epic that you may not get to see every week or you may not have time to hang out with. So we're going to have dodgeball, a bounce house, cornhole. So bring your, your dinner, your lawn chairs, your neighbors, your friends. Let's just hang out together. Wadsworth Park is located off of State Road 100. It's, if you make that immediate left right before the Flagler Beach Bridge, um, you'll be there. So we'll see you at 530. This coming Saturday is our 3G Saturday event. And our 3G events are where we gather, we go, and we give. And we show our community that God is for them and we are for them. So today is the last day to sign up. If you were still like, oh, I don't know, sign up today. There's a table in the back for you to do that. In fact, I want to tell you about one project that still needs some volunteers. We're partnering with the Family Life Center, which is our community's certified domestic violence uh, center that serves folks who are survivors of domestic violence and their families. And so this is a great opportunity just to be able to show these women and their, fam their children that they matter. They matter to us. They matter to God, which is something that we value here so much. So if you're interested in that, we're going to be doing a water day with the kids. It'll be a lot of fun or a uh, spa day for the moms. So if you're like me and you're like, I don't know, hedge clippers seems like a bad idea for me to be operating, this is the, the project for you. So sign up in the back. If you haven't completed your waiver, stop by the table on your way out. And for those of you who are like, I'm still waiting to get my project information, we're going to be sending that out this week so you know where to meet, who your project leaders are, and all of that information. So look for that email this week. Well, just as God wants us to give of our time and our talents, he also wants us to give of our financial resources. So if you call Epic Home and you want to be part of what we're doing to help our community know that God is for them through projects like 3G Saturday, through Sunday mornings, all of those things, then you can do so today. There are giving boxes behind each of the seating sections, or you can go online at theepicchurch.com and um, do, uh, give that way as well. Well, on, Sunday we had, uh, on Easter Sunday, we had an awesome baptism at the beach. We had 12 people who decided to publicly make that decision that, yes, they are going to follow Jesus. And so um, just wanted you to join us in celebrating them. So check out this video.